I'm Tavis Smiley, and I'm glad to have you with us in this hour. In case you've just tuned in, we are in the final hour of uh, this three-hour program, and today, a bit of history being made around here, today is our first day into national syndication. Uh, and we, once again, want to shout out WBOK, 1230 AM in New Orleans, being the first station to carry Tavis Smiley across the nation. Other stations, including Detroit, coming online later this week. Uh, and then after Labor Day, a number of stations onboarding Tavis Smiley. But we are grateful. Uh, we are humbled. We are delighted to be into national syndication uh, and just thrilled that the first station to carry this program uh, is WBOK, 1230 a.m. in New Orleans. And um, um, just thrilled at uh, the opportunities that... Um, uh, are in front of us in the months and years to come as we try to, uh, uh, across America, uh, advance an agenda uh, that is in the best interest and not antithetical to the best interest of our people. Uh, at our best, this program is about challenging folk to re-examine their assumptions. At our best, we're trying to help you expand your inventory of ideas, and we're just grateful once again that today is the first day of national syndication for this program, and glad to have you tuned in. In our final hour, two conversations on the B side of this hour, a conversation with our resident physician, Dr. Robert Drummond, about a new report which reveals that black folk are more susceptible to heat stress-related deaths than any other fellow citizen amidst these excessive heat warnings and advisories. We'll talk about that on the B side of this final hour. We start this hour, though, with this. America is in the midst of a dangerous trend for election disinformation as we open the 2024 presidential election season. We will talk uh, in this hour uh, with the CEO of Vote.org, uh, Andrea Haley, about the crucial role tech platforms play in shaping our political discourse and the outsized impact they may have this time around on the integrity of our democratic electoral process. Andrea, good to have you on the program. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Um, I'm happy to be here. So thank you for having me on. Good to have you on. Um, let me let me let me start with this. Um, a broad question will narrow it as we move through this conversation. Um, how concerned are you, uh, as I put it, about the outsized role uh, that these online, these tech platforms may play in the upcoming election? I ask that against the backdrop of uh, what we all know, that Elon Musk recently uh, changed the name of Twitter to X. But he is but one example. X is but one example of these platforms um, that have some huge sway uh, in the way that political misinformation, disinformation, um, is advanced on the Internet. How concerned are you, broadly speaking, at the outset of this presidential season about the role that these uh, online platforms will play this time around? I'm very concerned. You know, all these platforms are touching millions of Americans all across um, the nation and have become a way that we receive our news and information. And I think um, that as we near the presidential with every month that goes by, we'll start to see um, stronger and stronger uh, use of disinformation campaigns, particularly targeting communities of color and particularly targeting younger people. Um, and so I'm, I am concerned and want to make sure that everyone has the information that they need to participate in elections and that it's accurate information. Talk to me um, in greater detail about the targets of this disinformation. You mentioned a couple of moments ago, uh, again, not naive in, in raising this, this issue, uh, but why are certain communities targeted by this mis- and disinformation? In my mind, you know, it's the, it's, um, it's the changing of tactics, right? This is still voter suppression where you used to have voter suppression. Um, in person at polling locations, 
Um, now we have uh, a form of digital voter suppression that occurs before someone um, ever thinks of, of casting their ballot. And that can take shape many different ways. It could be um, election disinformation or making people feel that systems are um, already stacked against them. Or, you know, we saw it recently with the, um, the big lie saying that the election um, was fraudulent or things like that. And then uh, you get to uh, basically you're getting to people's minds before you even get to their ballot. Um, the other thing that we've definitely seen is, um, you know, messages telling younger people that uh, it just doesn't, elections just don't matter. And in mm-hmm. some cases in Flint, Michigan, we even saw messages um, that went out that would tell people things like you can vote um, after Election Day or things like that, trying to, you know, give people literally the wrong information about where and how they can access um, the ballot. So we have concerns as we go into the election that, you know, that that people will be targeted and that in particular um, it's that digital voter suppression can actually um, get people to, you know, to take their own voice out of the process Um known blocking access once you're at the ballot box. Yep. Just getting started in this conversation about digital voter suppression uh, and other types of voter suppression, uh, but specifically digital, as we uh, take a look at how these uh, social media platforms are going to have a huge influence on the presidential cycle as we open the presidential election season. Uh, Andrea Haley is the CEO of Vote.org. More with her when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Interrogating and unpacking. That's what we do around here. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. May Fresh Daily in the Mert Park, Los Angeles, California. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. You're listening to uh, Andrea Haley, the CEO of Vote.org on Tavis Smiley, talking about this dangerous trend that we are in for election disinformation as we uh, open season uh, on this 2024 presidential election cycle. Uh, Andrea, to that point a moment ago of this trend, uh, dangerous trend, as I put it, that we are in. Tell me about the trend toward mis and disinformation in this country. Well, you know, it's we really saw misinformation growth in 2020 ahead of the election cycle. And, of course, we saw it afterwards. I mean, after the Georgia special election um, during Jan 6, and we saw it continue through, um, you know, casting doubt on our election systems through the big lie claiming that the election was, you know, fraudulent in some way, shape or form. Uh, And now we're seeing it, um, you know, start to ramp up ahead of the next presidential election. What's concerning here is that at the same time, misinformation and disinformation campaigns are going to ramp up. We've seen platforms like Meta lay off their election disinformation teams. Mm. And, and that ha- is, you know, what has our attention at Vote.org, because you show me where your budgets are and you're showing me your priorities. And so we're hopeful um, that Meta will take seriously the disinformation campaigns that have um, been run in the past and that they will, you know, allocate budgets and people and resources to making sure um, that they're clamping down on disinformation on their platform. How, how do they justify, um, I, to your point about budgets, I thought about Dr. King's um, um, uh, edict that budgets are moral documents. King was right about that, that budgets are moral documents. Show me your budget, and to your point, I see your priorities. I see what matters to you. Um, but h- how do these these companies like Meta justify in a moment like this, when we see the rise of misinformation, we see the rise of disinformation, uh, how do they justify cutting back those persons inside their companies whose job it is to sort of catch this stuff to the extent they can and weed it out? That is an excellent question and one that I ask every day. 
And I, I try to tell people that inaction on something is also taking an action. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, setting these budgets at this point, this early, letting go of these teams um, early before a presidential election. To me, um, I don't want to hear later, oh, we just couldn't stop disinformation on the you know platform because it's obvious that there are things um, and safeguards that can be put in place. What we've most recently seen and what we're also excited about, you know, we see the growth of threads. They have 100 million new users or something. It's the fastest growing mm-hmm. social media platform that exists in the country. Um, that's really exciting. We congratulate them on that. But we at Boat.org have sent an open letter saying that we want clarification on their policies on how they're going to handle disinformation on their platform. They recently responded that they'll do the same thing um, as they do at Facebook. You know, but what we're looking for is, you know, a proactive plan to handle disinformation uh, ahead of the presidential election and make sure people are receiving the information that they really truly need and that, that information is is valid ahead of um, ahead of these elections. In some ways, this is inside baseball, but you started your career on Capitol Hill, so you can you uh, <laughs> you understand the importance of these kinds of questions. Uh, I'm wondering whether or not, since we don't pay attention to this stuff as everyday people, there have been uh, policy shifts that we should be concerned about that may impede um, the transparency uh, that we want in this next election cycle on these social media platforms. Absolutely. You know, um, we're concerned YouTube has changed their policies saying that they um, they were taking down incorrect information about um, the presidential election and um, and the former president's allegations that the that the election was fraudulent and all of that. They now have reversed those policies and they're not taking down, you know, Jan six related conspiracy theory content. Um, So that that's a concern. Um, we haven't seen a proactive policy at Threads. We've seen Twitter change their policies and also lay off election disinformation um, employees whose job it is to monitor content and, and tag it when it's um, disinformation. And you know we've seen Meta, um, you know, not, lay off you know lay off people ahead of this election. So those are sort of the things that that have um, our attention. On the positive side of things, we've also seen. Um, you know, companies like Nextdoor work really hard to um, to slow down misinformation on their platform. They'll even do things when when they see rapid fire conversation that has disinformation included in it. They literally slow down the conversation. They find when people cool off for a minute, they mm-hmm. tend to share those things less. Um, we've also seen platforms like uh, WhatsApp put in help create a voter resource bot. Um, that gives people election information, shows them, tells them where their polling location is, what the rules and laws are in their state, things like that. So there's some positive movement we've seen too, but on the whole, we're very, very concerned at Vote.org about what in- election information will look like ahead of this election. So we really are recommending that people double check what they're seeing, double check um, the videos they're watching. Uh, no one is out here really regulating this content. It's, it, we're going to have to, you know, make sure that we're responsible for our friends and our families. Like, go to vote.org. We'll provide the information for all 50 states on how you can register, when early voting starts, when you can mail in your absentee ballots. All of that kind of information sits right there on our platform, and we'll make sure that it's, you know, accurate. And in the meantime, we should all pay very close attention to what these tech platforms are doing and, and continue to demand um, that they place budgets behind making sure the content on their platforms is 
valid and authentic. That's the voice of Andrea Haley, the CEO of Vote.org. We're in a conversation with her now here on Tavis Smiley, talking about the ways in which um, uh, the uh, the, the, the presidential election of 2024 is going to be impacted uh, by the outsized influence of these social media platforms. Uh, and um, I, the media, we've been talking about the social media, uh, Andrea. I want to talk now about uh, the mainstream media just for a second here. The mainstream media, as you know, this is my assessment, uh, is too often caught up in covering the horse race. We can't get to the real issues because we want to just spend all of our time covering the horse race. Uh, and, and to that end, uh, when you're covering the horse race, you end up covering things like the stuff back in the day that Donald Trump was tweeting out on Twitter. Now he has his own platform, Truth Social. Um, but the point is that the more politicians rely on these social media platforms to get their message out, the more the, the more we have to be, I think, diligent about uh, fact checking the stuff that they put out on these social media platforms while we're covering the horse race, which leads me to ask uh, your assessment, not just of social media, but of the mainstream media in covering the stuff that first appears in social media. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. You know, everybody's in a, a race for eyeballs these days. So, um, and everybody's in a race to make sure that they're getting information out as fast as possible. And I would say that you know, the job of journalists in our mainstream media is to make sure that they are, number one, providing the public with um, accurate uh, information, which means that you can't just take the first thing that's been tweeted and then, you know, rebroadcast that out. Um, and also really watching who we give um, uh, earned, you know, earned media to, mm-hmm. meaning that there's just billions of dollars then that, that basically in free airtime that we're giving to whoever is the most bombastic and saying the wildest things online, which probably isn't healthy for our national discourse overall. I think that one of the things that I would love to see ultimately, um, everything from journalism to, you know, down to the average person is, you know, most of the things that affect our daily lives happen at the local level. Um, Most of it happens at your city council, your mayor's offices, your um, state legislatures, your governor's office, maybe your secretary of state who oversees elections. Um, And we spent so much time on the presidential and, again, wild things that people may tweet or say and then bringing that into the mainstream media, but not enough on the things that are really going to help individuals in their day-to-day lives and and what, you know, help people to improve what's happening in their neighborhood, on the, Mm. you know, on their street, in their city, in their community. And so I think I'm hoping that mainstream media really takes the time to connect the dots with people as we do get a lot of, you know, more information um, or attention going into the presidential election. Let's connect the dots back to the issues that are affecting mm-hmm. everyday Americans and that are affecting our democracy. And then also point out where decisions really get made. Yeah. Does the president decide where, you know, who fixes the potholes in your neighborhood? No. So, so how do we how do we take the national discourse and make it local? Yeah, I'd say don't hold your breath on that, uh, uh, Andrea. Don't <laughs> hold your breath on that. Um, since you mentioned earned media, let, let me come to this um, because it seems to me that my profession, the media profession, is repeating the same mistake all over again. As somebody once said, it's deja vu all over again. Um, the last time around, we saw that Donald Trump was just given all kinds of free media. Uh, people were bending over backwards to accommodate any conversation with Donald Trump. As I've said many times on this program, Donald Trump could call it on his cell phone to meet the press 
and Chuck Todd would put him on the air. And not just Chuck, not to bash him. Others would do the same thing. Everybody bending over backwards uh, to get Donald Trump on uh, for ratings, for clickbait, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, poor Bernie Sanders couldn't get anywhere near the attention that Donald Trump received um, in that in that in that race. Now uh, here we are in headed toward the 2024 presidential season. And we see the same thing happening again. We've already seen CNN and Fox News give Donald Trump just carte blanche to come on for 60, 90 minutes and just sort of hold forth. Um, and so my, 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 my sense is that we're going to see the same thing this time that we saw the last time, which is that people bend over backwards to give Donald Trump free airtime, no matter what we have to say about him. And I know your organization is nonpartisan. I'm just making the point, since you talk about earned media, uh, since we're talking about free media, that there are ways in which the mainstream media move that don't make me comfortable. That's absolutely right. And who we platform really, really in this country really does matter. Whose voice people get to hear day in and day out really does matter. It can change the energy, the tone, the mood of a nation. And I think that the current system encourages on any side of the aisle extremism, because if you have to say the most extreme things to gain attention and then and then that attention picks up momentum of its own, then you're really, you know, at the end of the day, it's destructive to the fabric, very fabric of our democracy as we become increasingly polarized over hearing increasingly polarized messages day in and day out. But of course, like you said, um, this is done because people pay attention. The more extreme it is, the wilder it is, the mm -hmm. more eyeballs it gets, the more clicks it gets, the more attention. So it's sort of like a short-term sugar rush, mm. but one that can be destructive to a nation. And so we're really going to have to think about, you know, how we mindfully platform people and who, who do we really want to platform as a leader? Who do we really want to repeat? And what kind of tone are we setting um, through, you know, throughout the entire nation? And it's a, it's a, you know, big question because so much has changed so fast, whether it's, you know, tech platforms or traditional media platforms or the intersection of the two, we're really in a shifting moment in time, you know, in our nation. And I will say, um, we've dealt with this before, though. There was a day where radio itself was the new medium, and, you know, and, and that caused change in our political body. And then we adjusted, and then TV, and then after that, social media comes along. So we're in a period of adjustment, but we are deciding who we want to be, who we want to platform, um, and how, how, what tone we want to carry forth, you know, as a country right now. And, I, and the current system really does encourage um, uh, extremism, and let's hope that maybe we all start tuning in to media sources yeah. that are more a little, you know, more aligned with giving true, accurate information. Yep. Just a few minutes left in this conversation with uh, Andrea Haley, the CEO of Vote.org. Um, we've been talking uh, for the for the for the for the larger part of this conversation uh, about um, the ways in which um, social media platforms in this country are are, are spreading misinformation or certainly allowing misinformation and disinformation to be spread over their platforms. Uh, but that's internal. Uh, that's intra-America. Let me go outside because, as you recall, the last time around, uh, the big story was outside interference, outside influence into this presidential race on these same social media platforms. Did we learn anything from the last time around about Russia or anybody else, for that matter, trying to influence elections on social media from outside this country? Absolutely. I mean, there is no doubt that there are foreign actors that are attempting to um, uh, make Americans think in a specific way, 
um, or or um, affect elections in a specific way in this country. Um, and certainly, you know, Russia, China, we've, we've seen this before. We definitely saw it in 2020. Mm-hmm. We will see it again. And this is where those election information and content teams on the, at the platforms become so important. It's where they, it becomes important that they hire up uh, people instead of laying off people ahead mm-hmm. of an election. Because there are lessons that have been learned about how information is disseminated as often, depending on which platform you're talking about, um, but they, you know, found that a few accounts can sometimes, you know, make a video go viral very quickly. Um, but then finding out that those accounts are fake accounts are coming from outside, you know, the United States in an effort to sway an election, you can shut those down and then pretty quickly um, shut the shut the inaccurate misinformation down. But it becomes, you know, so so important because we all are now choosing who we're following and what content we're following and in a way we're in our own silos. And so through that, there, you know, foreign actors are able to kind of slice and dice up our population and feed different parts of the population, specific messages that, you know, uh, in the 2020 election, we saw people uh, outside of the country feeding blue lives matter and black lives matter yep. messages, the same sources, um, trying to manipulate different mm. uh, people, you know, against each other. We saw people, um, sending out information to young people, a lot of, you know, uh, information to young people yeah. saying your vote doesn't matter and just drop out of the system and all of that, that, that sort of stuff. So, yes, we, we know what we're up against, but it is yeah. up to these companies to really guard the American public and make sure that foreign actors are not no. are it is indeed. All we can say is voter beware. Voter beware. We're in a dangerous trend for disinformation on our social media platforms. And they have such a huge uh, and outsized influence on the way we see uh, issues and the way we vote. Um, and uh, hence this conversation with uh, Andrea Haley, the CEO of Vote.org, the nation's largest nonpartisan digital voter engagement organization. Uh, thank you for your work and witness. Good to have you on the program. All the best to you, Andrea. Thank you. Thank you so much. All the best to you. Thanks for your time. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward.